Agazbach, one of the themes of the holiday of Shavuos is Memleches Kainim. Hashem announced through Moshe Rabbeinu, tell us that all of us will be for Hashem a kingdom of Kohanim, a kingdom of priests. So the idea of a Kohen is someone who is a servant of Hashem. And the Balaturim says that the Kohen referred to in this verse refers to a Kohen Godel. Kohen Godel is meant to be in Jerusalem all the time. So Hashem's pronouncement that we should be for Hashem a kingdom of Kohanim means that we're, we're able to be like the Kohen Godel who is always in an aura, always in an atmosphere of Yerushalayim. But specifically on Shavuos, there are three tzaddikim that are associated with this, with this holiday, and they um, give a, imbue us, they endow us with this power to feel indeed like a king. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the Maimonides classifies as the first king of the Jewish people. Then there's King David, who was the first king of the Davidic dynasty. And there's the Baal Shem Tev, who was the first Rebbe of the Hasidic dynasties. So the three tzaddikim connected to this day, their leadership wasn't just for the era that they lived in, but also every year on Shavuos, on the anniversary of the passing of Baal Shem Tev, and the passing of King David, and the day that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Torah, Hashem endows us to learn from these specific three tzaddikim to know how to be a king. Because King David and the Baal Shem Tev and David HaMelech were kings in three completely different kinds of eras. In Moshe Rabbeinu's time, it was, there was a miraculous, um, consistent behavior that Hashem took care of the Jewish people all the time, from the splitting of the Red Sea, from the bread that came, came down from heaven, from the, the water that came out of the Rock of Miriam. So the fact that Jewish people were called kings, and a king means someone who has absolute control, no one can control them at all, and that they have full volition to do whatever they want. In the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, it was obvious that this is a nation of kings. You could see it with your eyes. In the time of King David, Jewish people entered Israel, and had to plow and plant the land, they had to work. So it wasn't as clear, as obvious, that they were a nation of kings, that they are... Um, totally a, uh, in control of doing whatever Hashem wants him to do and without any worry about the physical. But King David gave the Jewish people that, that sense, that, that recognition. But what's really unique is the time of the Baal Shem Tev. Baal Shem Tev lived 50 years after all the pogroms of the Cossacks of Chomnitsky, Machshamay. And so to feel that you're really a a king, that you're really part of a nation that is completely above nature, and that every detail of your life is really a miracle from coming from Hashem Himself, that's something that we uniquely received from the Baal Shem because of all the miracles the Baal Shem did in the time of exile, in a time of darkness, in a time of following the pogroms. So the, 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 the abundance of miracles and blessings of Baal Shem they imbue the Jewish people with the sense that the Jewish people are indeed a nation of, of kings and they're completely above, above nature and they don't have to worry at all about what nature says, but regarding Torah mitzvahs, to feel that you're absolutely in, in control and could get what Hashem wants you to do done. So in that spirit, I want to share with you a few stories of tzaddikim. 
who are again tzaddikim are called kings because they are above nature, and they and reason Hashem gives us tzaddikim is that we too should feel also that we are also above nature, and that we can and we can do whatever Hashem asks us to do. There was a chassid of Rabbi Sol of Rizin, who one who uh, owned a uh, kretschma, sort of a innkeeper, a little hotel, and he couldn't pay his rent. He's renting from another chassid. And this chassid, he was patient for a year, but after a year of not paying his rent, he said, listen, either you're going to pay or you're going to leave. So the innkeeper traveled to visit Rabbi Sol of Rizin, and Rabbi Sol of Rizin said, don't worry, I'll speak to him. And he spoke to the owner, and the owner agreed to wait for another year. At the end of the second year, so again, Rabbi Sol of Rizin was consulted by the innkeeper. Please speak to the owner. Let him stay. Please tell him to let me stay for another year. And he agreed to let him stay for a second year. But then a third year. Again, he has to pay rent. Again, he threatens to kick him out. He says, no matter what you do, I'm going to kick you out. No matter what the Rebbe says, I'm going to kick you out. So Rabbi Sol of Rizin tells the owner, you cannot kick him out, you can't put him in the street. I know he hasn't paid you for three years, but you can't throw him, out, throw him in the street. But he says, Rabbi, I listened to you twice already, but I can't, he's just laughing at me, I can't let him stay in the inn without paying rent, that doesn't make any sense. And he evicted him from the inn. So years pass, and it's a machzedek who's talking to his chassidim, a, at a public gathering of thousands of his students in Hasidim, and he's told them, he wants to tell them, tell them the, uh, the following story, the story that, which I just shared. And he said that when this Hasid came to the heavenly court, the heavenly court said that he was wrong. How dare he not listen to his Rebbe? However, the heavenly court apparently needed to consult with souls in this world because the souls in heaven they aren't, they, they, they can't possibly understand what's going on, the kind of challenge it is for someone to not um, be paid rent for two, two, for three years. So therefore, they, they, the heavenly courts said that they want to hear from others that are in this world. So the Tzemachsad then said, and I think he is innocent. What do you think? And all the Hasidim echoed that sentiment, and apparently that was what that Hasid needed in order to enter into Gan Eden. He needed someone to Tzemach and the Hasidim to declare that he is an innocent, and that's how he entered in Gan Eden. So this is um, very connected to this idea of, of how even when you're in a situation where it seems impossible, Hashem empowers us to make the right choice. And he understands, Hashem puts us in each, in each circumstance that we're in, and he knows, and he believes in us where we are, that we can, we can get it right. And even if we don't get it right, uh, Hashem gives us a chance to do tshuva and to, and to get back up on the horse. There was um, a similar story with a happier ending uh, with the Bidichavar Rebbe. Bidichavar Rebbe had a chassid who was also renting an inn, but he didn't pay rent for 20 years. This is a story that Rabbi Perlov shares in his Sefer, quickly support him. And he said that for 20 years, this guy didn't pay rent. And how did he not pay rent for 20 years? Because the manager of the state was friendly to the Jewish people. He knew this guy couldn't afford it. 
So he let him go for 20 years. But then the, the owner of the estate switched managers, and this new manager looks at the books, and he says, this guy hasn't paid rent for 20 years. Like, what's going on? And he, uh, he, he says, you're either you're going to pay or you're going to be evicted. So this chassid traveled to the Medich of Rebbe. The Medich of Rebbe said, why indeed didn't you pay rent? He said, I didn't pay rent because I couldn't afford it. So the Medich of Rebbe said, okay, so you're correct. He says, not only couldn't I afford it. He said, let me tell you why I couldn't afford it. He said, in our town, there are no school teachers. So I hired someone to teach my children and all the children in the whole town. And it's all on my bill. So I had no money left to pay rent because I'm paying for these school teachers. So the Chirebbe says, you're correct. Then he says, not only that, he said, but there's no shul in our, in our town. The only time we all go to shul is on Yom Kippur, which I stay at someone else's house in a nearby village. Only once a year do we ever go into a shul. So I decided that doesn't make sense. And I, and I got money together and we got a shul in our town. And so the money goes to take care of the shul. There's no money left for the rent. The Chirebbe says, you're correct. And he goes further, he says, actually, there was no mikveh in our town. And I got money together, I built a mikveh. The Chirab says, you're correct. He says, listen, here's a letter. He pulls out a letter from his drawer. Give this letter to the manager of the estate. Okay. He's very happy. The Chirab is telling him advice on how to take care of the issue. And he sets off. He goes back home. But on the way home, he's very curious about this letter. First of all, he didn't see the Bidisha Rebbe write a letter. That means he had a letter prepared for the owner, for the manager of the state, as if he knew who the manager of the state was, as if they had some kind of connection. It seems very odd. The way the Bidisha Rebbe handed him the letter seems very strange. She's very curious. So he picked up the letter, he's going to open it, he put it down, he picked it up, he put it down, and he was really very curious. And eventually, curiosity got the better of him. And after the fourth time he picked it up, he opened the letter. And he saw the letter was a blank piece of paper. And he was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? I can't not give the letter because the Ditcher said I have to give him the letter. But I can't give him the letter either because he's going to kill me. What do I do? He didn't know what to do. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to have faith in Hashem. I'm going to have faith in the Tzaddikim. I'm going to give the letter to this manager. And he shows up and the manager right away says, do you know you brought the money? He said, I didn't bring the money. I have a letter for you from the Bidich of Rebbe. He hands him the letter. The guy opens the letter and he, and he looks at it for a while. He says, okay, we'll forgive you for all of the rent that you owed for the last 20 years. But from now on, you got to pay. He's very happy. He walks out of the manager's office, elated, and he says, I have to go back to visit the Bidich of Rebbe and tell him what this man, what this man had just told me. He travels back to the Bidich of Rebbe Tells the Rebbe the good news. And Rebbe Leviat says to him, you must have opened the letter. Because had you given him the letter without opening it, then not only would he have forgiven you for the last 20 years, but he would have not charged you in the future as well. You would have been off forever. To make the story how careful you have to be, instructions to come from the Rebbe. Uh, tonight we did um, Kiddush Lavana, and in the time of the um, Tzemach Tzedek, um, the um, the Rebbeil Parat there's a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek whose name was Rebbeil Paratcher. Rebbeil Paratcher um, was such a spiritual person that when it was a cloudy night and you couldn't do Kiddush Shavana, it affected his health. He got sick from not being able to say the blessing of the sanctification of the moon. So one year, I don't remember which month it was, but 
in, in, the, in Lubavish, in the wintertime, it was often that you couldn't see the, the Lavana, you couldn't see the moon the entire, the entire time period when you were allowed to say this blessing. So the Hilaparsha visited the Tzemach Tzedek and he asked them for a blessing that they should be able to see the moon, they should be able to say this blessing. And Tzemach Tzedek said, there's going to be a Levan, there's going to be a moon. Okay, great. So the moon appears, but it's not like really clear. It's still a little cloudy. You could see the moon through the clouds and everyone starts saying the blessing. Rehila Parasha said, if the Rebbe said there's going to be a moon, there's going to be a clear, beautiful moon. That's not the moon that we need to make a blessing. We need to wait a little bit because if the Rebbe said there's going to be a moon, the Rebbe's blessing for, for sure for something far beyond this. And sure enough, he was right. And shortly afterwards, about an hour later, it was a beautiful moon. But just the idea that Chassid had, he knew if the Rebbe said this, 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 this has a whole different way of, it, it, it's, it must have a, not just that it's going to be fulfilled, but it's going to be fulfilled in a beautiful way. The similar story of the, the Mendel Futafas, and the Futafas was, was in prison, and he was starving. He felt he was going to die. And he really was very careful while in prison not to eat non-kosher meat. But he felt he was going to die, and he thought maybe he should eat the meat to, uh, to survive. Because he thought he will die if he doesn't eat the meat. But then he thought to himself, well, maybe I should have Mr. Snafesh. Maybe I should give up my life rather than not eat non-kosher. Although halachically, although according to Jewish law, there's an obligation to give your life for only three commandments, for idolatry, adultery, and murder, but there's a discussion among Jewish uh, poskim, among, among Jewish halachic authorities, if you're allowed to give your life for um, other commandments, or is it commendable to? So Mendel Futafah said, you know, I'll join the ranks of those who gave their lives for other commandments, and I'll die. It's okay. It's good to die for the sake of Hashem's name. But then he thought to himself, I'm not a tzaddik. I'm going to come to heaven, and then I say, Futafas, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? You, were, you gave up your life in order not to eat non-kosher. Who do you think you are? So with that thought in mind, I was about to eat, eat the non-kosher meat. And then I remembered something. When Remendel was a little boy, his, um, his mother uh, took him to see, the, to see the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab said, you should be an honest Jew in El Chid, and you should have a long life. So he said to himself, it's not possible that the Rebbe's blessing won't be fulfilled. And it's not possible the Rebbe's blessing will be fulfilled in non-kosher food. So he, therefore he knew that if the Rebbe Rashab said he's going to have a long life, it's going to be a long life. And not just a long life, it's going to be a long life in the best way, in a beautiful way. And so he rejected the notion of having the non-kosher food. And immediately afterwards, all of a sudden, someone brought more bread and he was able to survive. One final story. In um, the month of Adar, in 1972, at that time, um, the Rebbe's campaign that a Tanya should be printed in every city didn't really take off at that time. There were only 67 cities in the world that had Tanyas printed. But the Rebbe instructed that Tanya should be printed in four more cities. In Montreal, London, Israel, and Australia before the Rebbe's birthday, they wanted there to be four more Tanyas, and those four cities, and the uh, Hasidim of London, they wanted to present the Rebbe with a Tanya they printed themselves, and they traveled to the Rebbe, and they came to the Rebbe on the 8th of Nisan, on a Thursday, 
before the Rebbe's birthday, and they uh, delivered a Tanya, and the Rebbe said, is there, any, is there another Tanya? So the one who delivered it, Rabbi Sudak, he actually brought one Tanya for the Rebbe, and he, was, and, and he had another, he had another t- extra copy, and he said, yes, I have another Tanya. So the Rebbe said he should come in with the group that came, all those who participated in the Tanya, they should all come, should all come in to visit the Rebbe's room right after Shabbos. So, so during that um, Shabbos, the Rebbe Futafas uh, told his grandson, Rabbi uh, Yasser Liberov, that it would be worthwhile for him to join this group, even though he didn't participate in the Tanya, but his father participated in the Tanya. And since his father participated in the Tanya, so he should represent his father, and he should also come in the Rebbe's room for this special occasion where the Rebbe is going to bless all those who participated in the Tanya. So Yossel tells his grandfather, he says, in order to go into the Rebbe's room, you have to prepare at least a little bit. I can't go into the Rebbe's room now, I didn't prepare at all. Anyways, after Shabbos, they all go to the Rebbe's room, and Menachem and Sudak, he sees Yossel Libra, he tells him the same thing, you should go into the Rebbe's room. Your father participated in the Tanya, his father lived in, then in England, and you should go as his representative. So he told Menachem the same thing, I didn't prepare, I can't go into there without preparation. So he's sitting upstairs in 770, outside of the Rebbe's room, and all the other chassidim went in, and then all of a sudden he hears Rabbi Groner screaming, Yasa Libarov, Yasa Libarov, come, come. And he comes in the Rebbe's room. What happened was that the Rebbe said to Ramendel Futafas, where is your grandson? So clearly the Rebbe saw the thoughts of Rabbi Sudak and Ramendel Futafas, and he saw that they thought that he should be there, and the Rebbe acknowledged it, and the Rebbe said, yes, they should bring him in. And he came in, and they gave him a, gave him a tanya, and also gave him a tanya for his father. Um, it was uh, in England. Okay, one more story. This, this, this is the last story. This is a great story. Rabbi Shneir Zalman Volovic, the Rebbe's emissary in the five towns, he uh, once went to um, check the mezuzahs of, of two women who were living together, two sisters, and he, they, they called him to... Um, he's looking in the house from the mezuzahs, but there are no mezuzahs in the home. And he's looking at the house... And he's trying to see if there are any, they want the mezuzahs to be checked, but there are no mezuzahs in the home. He went through all the doors, and they said they think there is a mezuzah somewhere in the house. And he went up to the attic, and he sees in the attic, there's a big, beautiful picture of, um, of, this, of one of the sisters passing by the Rebbe. And so he came down from the attic with a, with a picture, and he asked the sisters, what's the story of this picture? So one of the sisters told him, it's because of this event that I'm alive. She said that at that time period, when she went to visit the Rebbe by dollars, the Rebbe gave out the dollars every Sunday, that time she had been to a doctor, she had gotten Yenemachla, she had gotten the, uh, the disease, that we don't like even saying its name, that starts with a C, and the Rebbe, the doctors told her she has three weeks to live, three months to live. So she came by the Rebbe, and she told the Rebbe, the doctors say that I only have three months to live. Zebra responded, that's what the doctor said to you. But I'm telling you they're going to have a long life. She had no idea what they was talking about. So she tells the Rebbe again, 
But the doctor said, I only have three months to live. They ever responded again. And understand that that's what the doctor told you. But I'm telling you that you will have a very long life. So this woman told Rabbi um, Wallowick, she said, from that moment on, Baruch Hashem, she recovered, but she didn't take her recovery for granted. She says, once a month since then, I went to the Rebbe to receive a dollar. After Rebbe's stroke, and Rebbe's no longer giving out dollars, I went once a month to the Rebbe's shul to say Tehillim. And after Gimel Tamos, she said, I go every month to the Ohel, and she says, I, and she tells him, I just was yesterday at the OL. And I got another extension for another 30 days. Anyways, the point of all these stories is that we are a kingdom of Kayanim. Regarding Teremitsis, there's nothing that stands in our way of accomplishing what Hashem wants us to. And we have to have the absolute conviction in ourselves that a Jew is above nature. And a Jew makes a decision to do what Hashem wants him to do, that he's going to be successful. And so Hashem shall bless us all that... Whenever we're missing the holiday of Shuas, we should complete in these coming days. The previous Rebbe once uh, was asked about some communal matter after Shuas, and the previous Rebbe said he couldn't deal with it at the time. He says, I'm still on the mountain. So we're still on the mountain until the 12th day of Sivan, when we're able to still bring the sacrifices for this holiday. Hashem should bless us all that whatever was missing in the holiday, we should complete with joy and inspiration. And the Shemaret to see Mashiach Sakeno tonight in Shulayim, in Harabayis, Karab Mamash, Akutwach.